The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 in Irvine. Welcome to In the Garden with University of California Master Gardeners. I am Katrina Kirkaby, and I am here with my co-host, Tina Spindler. And we're here to talk about projects in the garden. And this month, our project of the month will be seeds. Seeds is a wonderful conversation, and I have here with me Tina, who knows all about seeds. Welcome, Tina. Thanks, Katrina. Yeah, starting plants from seeds, I think, is one of the most fun and exciting things that you can do. And it gives you an opportunity to have a much bigger variety of plants in your garden than you usually get when you go to a nursery, because a nursery obviously can't stock uh, growing plants that are of multiple, multiple varieties. But if you order your own seeds, you have a huge selection of you know, virtually every edible plant from tomatoes to lettuces and also flowers. You know, the, some of the larger, taller varieties of flowers, which are much more exciting to cut rather than the dwarf varieties we usually have in the nurseries, are all available if you buy seeds and start them yourself. Tina, I'm really excited about our talk today because I get stymied. I go to the, I go to the uh, nursery and I look and I have such a limited choice. And when we first start talking about growing from seeds, it is amazing what you can do. And when people come over to the garden and they'll see something that they don't see at the normal box stores at the normal nurseries, and it's a lot of fun. And you can get some really beautiful plants that you can't find locally. Right. It, it is so much more uh, enjoyable, I think, to not be stuck growing, you know, the same thing over and over again, pansies, petunias, marigolds, you know, that's pretty much the flower range that we often see at the nurseries. And personally, I get a little tired of those. Um, and then the same thing with the vegetables. There are some wonderful heirloom tomatoes that you generally can't find at the retail nurseries. Uh, but you can, if you go through seed catalogs, find all sorts of varieties of tomatoes that you might want to try. So I know a lot of people are intimidated by trying to start things from seeds, assuming that it's going to be a really risky venture and that they won't be successful. But that's what we're going to talk about on the show today is the steps that you need to follow in order to be successful starting things from seed. Now, I am one of those people that were rather intimidated. And once you find out a little bit more, it's not that scary. It's not. I mean, you, you can think of, think of seeds like, you know, your children. There's just a few basic things that they need. They need to have, you know, water and they need to have food and they need to have some sunlight. And plants are kind of the same. If you give them those basic things, you'll have success starting them. The interesting thing with seeds, though, is, is that you have to give them those things on a very, very consistent basis during that germination stage, which usually lasts from about four to 10 days. And so that's what we'll, we'll talk about, is how you can assure yourself of success during that very early stage. Wonderful, so where do we start from here? Well, I think what I'd like to do first uh, is get people excited, and because it is January, this actually is the time when the seed catalogs for the year 
come out in late December and early January. And I love that time of year because I don't think my husband does because I think he gets tired of seeing the catalogs laying all over the house. But I tell him it's really cheap entertainment, right? They're free and they keep me occupied and out of trouble. So um, if you don't already have seed catalogs coming to your house, even if you're not sure you want to you know, start from seed, go ahead and get on the internet, Google seed catalogs and just click on a couple of them. Of course, all the catalogs are online now as well. Uh, I personally still like to get the hard copy because it's just, I think, fun to flip through it while you're sitting on the sofa watching TV. But you can do it online as well. And even if you aren't gonna grow from seed, there are so many pieces of information in those catalogs that tell you, for instance, say you're interested in heirloom tomatoes, but you are gonna buy them at, you have a place, a nursery, a specialty mm -hmm. nursery or somewhere that you're going to get them. You can still use those seed catalogs to look up, say, Brandywine, which is a very popular heirloom tomato with amazing taste. And the seed catalog will give you information about Brandywine, such as is it a sweet tomato, a tart tomato, an early tomato, a late tomato, is it susceptible to powdery mildew, and so on and so forth. So these seed catalogs are actually educational tools as well as sources to purchase these seeds. Great. So we just go on the internet and we could find some catalogs, have them sent to our house, browse through them. Yeah, absolutely. Find out what really hits what and what hits our hot button. Yeah, some of the you know long term, uh, long lived uh, seed companies that that have been around forever are Park Seed, is one that's a very old and I believe still family run company. Burpee, uh, people might recognize that name. Um, and then there are smaller, more local companies like Territorial Seed. But, you know, obviously all you have to do is get on your computer, Google, you know, seed catalogs, and there will be, you know, a host of names that, that pop up. And you can choose the ones that you want to look at. Um, but, you know, it's a great thing to do. And the reason we're talking about this in January, which seems kind of weird, you know, it's cold outside and, you know, what the heck are we talking about planting seeds in January for, right? Well, where we live, as you know, our last frost date is around March 1st, right? Some years we never get frost, but you know. So if you have your last frost date at March 1st, that means you want to have plants ready to go, go in the ground that are warm, what we call the warm season plants. And what are your favorite warm season plants to grow? Tomatoes. Yes. <laughs> I love tomatoes. I love squashes. I love, oh my goodness, I try to just grow anything I can find. I have a big yard so I can grow a lot. Yeah. Do and you I'm, grow peppers? I'm growing peppers. I am still having some peppers um, late in the season, so that's really nice. And we grow hot peppers and red peppers, and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. And so what we want to start planting in March, as you know, is that's when we start planting our warm season plants like peppers, tomatoes, eggplants, squash, beans. Those are all warm season plants. Well, if you want to have seedlings to plant in March and you're going to start from seed, you got to back up your calendar six to eight weeks and that tells you when you're going to start planting your seeds. So if you want to have them uh, ready to go in the garden, say March 1st, that means you're planting in mid-January, right? Your right. seeds. So you want to plant um, seeds in the dead of winter, which is kind of counterintuitive, but you're going to be planting your tomatoes 
If you're starting from seed, you're going to be starting them in the dead of winter. How exciting. Yeah, I mean, it I gives us all hope for spring, right? Hope for spring. Now, what, do we, what are those our next step? What do we do? We look, at the, we look at, we get the catalog, we look through it, we find out what we like, we order it. Yes. Well, before I get you into the steps for starting the seeds, I'd like to spend just a few minutes talking about what a seed is. Maybe we learned this when we were taking, you know, botany or biology in high school, but I know I totally forgot it till I became a master gardener. And maybe it's a few years since we took those classes. Well, for me, it's more than a few. But anyway, um, so the first thing that um, I'd like to do is just let's talk about what a seed is so that that gives us a little bit of an understanding what's going to happen when we plant these seeds. So first of all, a seed is an embryonic plant. So I know when you look at a seed, it kind of looks like a little, a little rock or, you know, a little pebble, depending on, you know, what type of seed it is. Some of them are tiny, some of them are bigger, like peas and beans, but, but they don't look like they're alive, right? They look like these dried out, dead, lifeless things. Well, they're actually not. Uh, if you look at a seed packet, when your seed packet comes, you'll notice that somewhere on that seed packet, it will give you a date, plant by such and such a date. It's usually, if you buy it in say 2014, usually it's gonna say it's good till 2016 or something like that. And the reason it has that date is because those seeds actually are not dead, they're dormant, they're asleep. And so when you look at a seed, don't think that it's this lifeless thing, it's actually very much a living but dormant thing. So how do you wake it up? Well, I uh, tour kindergartners at Centennial Farm every Monday, which is just a kick in the pants because uh, they're so funny. And we plant radish seeds with them. And the reason we choose radish seeds is because, as you know, radishes are mature in 21 days, right? And they germinate in only three days. So for a kindergartner, you know, they can usually wait for that length of time before they harvest their plant. It's a short enough period of time <laughs> to keep their attention. So anyway, what I tell the kids they need in order to grow a vegetable or any kind of a plant is, and we get them to hold their little fingers up, they need five things. Makes it easy to remember because everybody has five fingers. Um, so the first thing you need obviously is your seed. The second thing that you need is soil. The third thing you need is some moisture or water. And believe it or not, you need air. So you don't want to have your seeds, you know, completely drowned by water so there's no air or completely impacted, compacted with soil so there's no air. So they do need air. And then um, the last thing, we have to go through it again now, I've lost. Uh, so we need the seed, the soil, the air, the water, and of course warmth, the sun. Uh, and if you have those five things, then you can grow a plant. So let's get back to what the seed is and why it needs these five, these four things in order for it to germinate. Again, it's a little embryo. It's a little baby plant. And when you are looking at a seed, there's actually three parts to the seed. So we have that seed coat. So that kind of hard shell that's around mm -hmm. a seed mm -hmm. is very thin. Underneath it, there's two other parts to the seed. The size of the seed is mostly, that the bulk of the seed is mostly taken up with stored food reserves. 
So that poor little seed is not really looking for nutrition initially from the soil or from you. It has its own little reserve of food right inside of it. So if you think of, say, a bean seed, well, there's that outer hard coat, and then almost all the rest of that bulk in the seed is stored food for that bean plant. The third thing that's in there, though, is the baby plant. So it probably only takes up maybe less than a tenth of the area inside the seed, but in there is a baby leaf, a baby stem, and a baby root. And when you give it the warmth and the moisture and the soil and the air, then it wakes up and it pushes the leaf out, up through the soil, and of course the roots down into the soil. And that is the way that it gets started, is it uses that food that is stored in the seed in order to produce that initial growth of the stem, leaf, and root. And then after that, of course, it's going to be looking to its environment to provide the additional nutrients to get it to maturity. So that's basically um, the structure of a seed and gives you a, a, an idea of what it needs in order to get itself going. Fascinating. Yeah. So um, then after you have that little piece of knowledge, you'll kind of understand why the steps that we're going to talk about are necessary because if you think about this dormant plant, it's not going to break dormancy. That's the term that's used for its germination and starting to grow. It's, I mean, you have to love mother nature. It is pre-programmed in that seed not to break dormancy unless the conditions are right. So you, have you ever heard of how uh, there are some plants that only will start growing after a forest fire? Yes. And that's because the conditions for that particular seed require heat to break that outer seed coat and for it to germinate because uh, those seeds are pre-programmed to know that if they tried to grow in a fully mature forest, they would never have that light requirement, right? right. So if there's a fire though and the trees are gone, then there will be sunlight available to the seed. And so when the heat happens, that seed coat knows that it's going to have light available and it's time to germinate. Mother Nature is pretty amazing, isn't it? Pretty amazing, yeah. Fortunately for vegetables and flowers, we don't have to have fire usually to get them to germinate. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so let's move on then to... Um, getting your seeds planted. So there is a list of things we'll talk about about what you'll need and in terms of supply. So you've ordered your seeds, so you took you checked that off the list. You got the seeds that you want. And the next thing that you need, as I said, is some soil. You can't grow these seeds generally speaking. The most common way to grow seeds is in some soil. Now, if you're going to um, plant these seeds and start them indoors, which in January is what I recommend. If you were planting, say, in April or May, and you've got, 
you know, the soil's warming up and the sun's out for a fairly long period of time, then it's a good idea to plant some seeds, you know, right directly in the garden. You know, lettuce is a great one. It's easy to germinate, beans, peas, all of those. You can, what's called direct sow right outside in the garden. Do you do any of that? I do a lot of that. Do you? And what do you, what do you like to direct sow? Uh, just about anything. Oh, I do just, you? Yeah. Um, it really depends on how much time I have, how much space I have, and how I feel. Yeah. But I'm really getting excited about doing the starting. Yeah, so. there's a couple reasons to start inside. Um, some seeds, as you probably have experienced, are a little more finicky when you try to direct sow them, right? I mean, the big seeds like peas and beans, those you know almost always come up. But I know sometimes the, a tomato seed or a, a pepper seed doesn't germinate quite as easily as some of the other seeds. Maybe one of the things I do that I might not, should not be doing is I plant a lot. No, no, that, and that's good. And that way, even if some fail, yeah. you still have some left, right? But the trouble is you probably wait, right? I wait. Yeah. And so now I'm excited about planting early, and we, I have a spot in the house where I'm getting ready to plant my seeds in the house. Yeah. Because I plant vegetables all year long, but I have an overlaying time of a couple months where I don't have vegetables. And so if I start doing this, I will have vegetables more on an annual all year long versus having some gaps. Absolutely. That's one of the advantages. So that the first reason, as I said, is some seeds start a little more easily indoors. They're easier to germinate in a controlled environment. So that's one reason to do it. Of course, we already talked about the reason of having more variety. So that's another reason to start them from seed. But as you said, one of the main reasons is, is that if you tried to plant these seeds out in the garden in January, they wouldn't, a tomato seed probably won't germinate. It's just too, too darn cold. That soil is cold. If you put yeah. your hand in that soil, it's cold. I wouldn't want to grow in there. No, absolutely. So then if you wait until the soil warms up, say, you know, till the end of March or end of April, you've lost those several months of growing time and you're going to not have your tomatoes ripe until... A couple of months later. Exactly. So by starting your plants indoors in January, you're going to end up having, you know, little six-inch plants or four-inch plants ready to pop outside in the garden come March. And so that's one of the main reasons we do this. So we have to have soil. We have to have containers to put the soil in. And we have to have a warm place to start them, and of course we have to have water. So let's talk about those things one at a time. So we have the seeds, we already know we have our seeds. Next let's talk about our soil. The soil that I like to use for starting seeds is a soil mixture that's labeled a seed starting mix. You can use regular potting soil mixes but if you open up a bag of those, you'll see that they're, they're kind of chunky, right? There's mm -hmm. like little bits of bark and, mm -hmm. and stuff in there, right? And it's not very fine. So your little seeds are, might have to push aside a little piece of bark, you know, to be able to emerge from so the soil. might need a little more strength than what they really have. Yeah. And so I like to have a, a mix that's called a seed starting mix, which is usually a mixture of peat moss and um, some minerals. And it's very fine. 
and therefore the the little baby seeds don't have to worry about pushing something heavy off of the top of them. The other reason to use uh, a seed starting mix or just regular potting soil if you can't find a seed starting mix is you want to use a brand new bag of either, whatever you're using. And the reason is, is that an old bag of soil, potting soil mix or seed starting mix, if it's been open and sitting around, you probably have some fungi that are growing in there, maybe some bacterial stuff that's growing in there, and you're not real sure if those are going to be harmful to your brand new seedlings because they're, you know, teeny tiny brand new baby plants and any fungus that attacks them might be fatal. (laughs) Yeah, they're babies, right? They're babies. So just like you wouldn't put a dirty diaper back on a baby, you don't want to put, you know, some soil that may be contaminated with something around your little seeds. I bet most of us didn't know that part. Yeah. So, and it doesn't mean that you would be unsuccessful, but gosh, there's nothing worse than spending the time to try and start these seeds, have them actually germinate, and then see them wilt because a fungal disease has attacked them. Uh, There's a fungal disease called damping off that affects little seedlings. And the way you see it is the stem actually gets like squished in the middle of the stem and the plant just topples over and that's called damping off and it's a fungal disease. So by starting with a sterile planting medium, in other words, as sterile as you can get it, which is a brand new bag of planting medium, that helps you avoid Set you up for success. Yeah, exactly. And again, let's continue along that vein. Uh, Next, let's talk about containers. And again, because you don't want to introduce any fungal diseases that might have been carried by other plants, it's fine for you to use, say, recycled six-packs. You know, maybe you bought a six-pack of lettuce last year and you want to use, you save the six-packs and you want to use them again. That's totally great, but you want to wash those six-packs out And I like to dip them or wash them in a solution of 10 parts water to one part bleach. And that way the bleach kills any bacteria or fungal spores that might remain from that previous plant that was in the six pack. So you can either buy new seed starting kits, which obviously are clean because they haven't held any soil before. And I actually like to have a couple of those. I use them over again so I wash them every season but what they come with is a tray a base tray it's like a rectangle probably about um, eight inches by 20 inches and uh, it comes with a bottom tray and then it has the little like six pack inserts that go in and that's what you would fill with the soil and those little six packs of course have drainage holes in each cell And then the third thing that it comes with is a clear plastic lid. And so what happens is you, after you plant your seedlings, you put this clear plastic lid on top and it fits somewhat snugly and it becomes a little greenhouse. And the key to that is, is that it's trapping the moisture so that those little seeds don't ever dry out. And we don't want to have dried out seeds, do we? No, the two things that you absolutely have to have for successful germination 
are moisture and warmth. And that's the other reason that we're starting these seeds inside is because our houses are generally in the high 60s to the low 70s and that's the perfect temperature for most seeds for germination. So the starting them inside gives you that perfect temperature and then covering them with that little plastic dome keeps the moisture in and so you ensure the plants germinating with both moisture and warmth. Now you don't have to have these seed starting kits with the little plastic lid. It's fine to just start them without a little lid. All that means is that you would probably want to go in every day with a spray bottle of just plain water and mist the surface of that soil so that it never dries out. So a spray bottle is probably better than just hand watering it. Yeah, and the reason I say a spray bottle is because it's pretty hard, even if you have a watering can that has a fine, you know, it's called a rose, mm -hmm. the thing that goes on the end where the water sprinkles out. Even a fine rose can overwhelm these little tiny seeds. You know, sometimes the seeds, when you're watering so them, little. they're so, so little, little they can actually float and, you know, and move off into another cell, for instance. You know, I was thinking when you were saying that also, you don't want to overwater because it's in the house and what is underneath it. Well, and that's why I do like these seed starting kits because they have that tray and the tray will catch any excess water. Um, of course, you do still want to be careful where you're setting this seed starting tray. If you don't have a, a kit, you can also use cookie sheets. So I use recycled six packs containers and then I set them just on cookie sheets right and the cookie sheet the, the kind of cookie sheets that have the edge mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. more like a Lift. jelly roll pan kind of mm -hmm. um, thing and if you you know put them on on there of course if there's any residual water it, it should be caught by the cookie sheet uh, the only disadvantage to that is depending on the material of the cookie sheet sometimes they'll start to rust so Use old cookie sheets if you're if you're going to use them. Don't use your brand new shiny ones. Um, so yeah, so so you're gonna you're gonna buy soil. So you've got your seeds. You're gonna buy your new soil. So we've got those two supplies. You will either buy a seed starting kit, or you will wash your recycled six packs that you're going to grow things in. Or you know people uh, can use any kind of container that will hold soil and drain. So other things that I've used are, you know the, um, the little plastic containers that you buy strawberries in, for mm. instance? Yes. Well, those, if you ever look at them, you know, they have the little holes in the bottom so that air can circulate around those berries, right? They also make great drainage holes. So you can actually fill those up, and they are mini greenhouses because they have those lids. So you can fill those with soil and you can, you know, use your finger or a pencil to poke holes in the soil and drop a couple seeds in each of the holes and then close the lid and then you have a little mini greenhouse and that's also a great thing to germinate your plants in. Now the only drawback is, is that you're not going to have a single cell that you can pop the plant out. You're going to have to take like a table knife and say you did six um, little starts in that container, you would just take a table knife and cut through 
into six little rectangles and then gently scoop it out with a little spoon or a trowel when it was ready to plant outside. So it's not quite as easy, but it's definitely doable. Definitely you doable. Creative. You can be creative. You can uh, be uh, ecologically conscious by recycling those little plastic containers. And also those are kind of good for kids because each kid can have ownership of it. Oh, how cute. Yeah, and you can also... On the lid, take a Sharpie marker, and they can, you know, write what they planted, tomato, and they can write their name, maybe draw a picture. So those are kind of fun things to use for Children kids. Projects. Yeah, yeah, so that's great. Teach them early. Absolutely, and there's nobody is a good gardener like children. They are the most enthusiastic gardeners. Oh, they're so much fun. We've ever seen. Oh, I know, you have a bunch come visit your garden and... They just love it. Just have a hoot. Yeah. They're just so enjoyable watching them. Well, I love the story you told me at that that when you have kids over, relatives, friends, you take them out and they get to plant seeds. And then the next time they come, a month or so later, they get to pick and eat what they, yeah. a couple months later. I even send plant. them text pictures of what they're growing. Oh, that's so, so they, sweet. It's really yeah. cute because they get to see what's happening in their garden yeah. and what they did. Virtual gardening. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Very cool. So anyway, so we've talked about um, getting our seeds, getting our soil, getting our containers, and now let's talk about the process of actually planting that seed. So first you're going to obviously open up your bag of new potting soil or seed planting mix. And generally when you look inside there, the mixture may or may not be moist. And so what I usually do is I just get a measuring cup and I just pour some water in there. I have gloves on my hands. I dig my hands in there and I just mush that water all around and make sure that that soil mixture gets damp. Because remember, what I said was crucial to germination, moisture. So you do that before you put it into the... Absolutely. You can do it either right inside the bag that it comes in after you open the bag or... If you have kind of a lot and you want to really get in there, like tossing a salad, mm -hmm. you can dump it into a bucket and you can, you know, mix it into a bucket. Or a bowl. That or you... a bowl or a trough or whatever you Whatever you have. Yeah. The key, though, is not to get it soggy. So add the water, you know, a, a little bit at a time, mix it up. You just want it to be damp. You don't want it to be so wet that it clumps up in a big you know, soggy wad. So just make it, you know, damp and, and moist, not soggy. No dripping when you pick it up. No dripping at all. No, no. And it's also easier to work with. You still want it crumbly so that when you pick it up, you can, you know, sprinkle it over seeds. If it's too wet, it's obviously, when you go to cover up those seeds, it's not going to sprinkle. It's just going to clump on top. So, you know, just use your, your common sense when you're doing that. So after you've moistened the soil gently, then you're going to fill up your little seed containers. If it's a six-pack or your little six-packs in your kit or your recycled plastic containers from your strawberries, uh, go ahead and fill those up uh, pretty much to the top of the container because what's going to happen is that soil is going to be really loose and what you'll do after you fill it up to the top is you'll just gently with your fingertips 
Don't smush it down so that it's compacted, but just gently tap that soil down because you know when you water it, it's gonna settle anyway and we don't want it to only be halfway full. So you're gonna tap it down and if you need to add a little bit more, you'll add a little bit more. And once you have that all done, then you're ready to plant your seeds. So what you'll have to do then is look at your seed packet and that sound you hear is seeds. How exciting is that? And I am looking at a package of kale seeds because kale is my new favorite vegetable. It's my new favorite vegetable too. <laughs> we all know how good it is for us and it's such an easy plant to grow, isn't it? Is it is so easy to grow and there's so many varieties. So you can mix and match or one day you have kale from this variety and the next day you have it or you could just have a cornucopia of kale. Yeah, look at this package I actually brought today. It has one, two, three, four, five different varieties of kale in it. So I'm excited. This is a new packet that I bought so I'm excited to use this one. Um, so and it's, it's hard to find all those varieties. I have tried and I've worked really hard. So when you're doing it from seed, it's so much easier. Oh yeah, yeah. to find all these varieties in the store is impossible. They usually oh. have one variety of kale. You yeah. would not believe where I've gone to try to find a more than one or two varieties yeah. of kale. That's, that's why I, I love planting kale from seed because it's just super easy. So anyway, what I'm looking for on the back of this packet of seed is how deep to plant this seed. And so for kale, it says seed depth one quarter inch. So what I'm going to do after I filled up my little containers is I'm just gonna lay the seed on top of each cell. And I'm going to put probably two to three seeds if the seeds are big enough for me to count easily. If they're teeny tiny seeds, I'm just gonna sprinkle a couple. But I'm gonna put at least two to three because you're never sure how many will germinate and I don't wanna end up with empty cells. And if all three of them germinate, that's fine. I can pull them out, cut them off, and just leave one. But I like to put a couple of seeds in each cell. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to sprinkle additional soil on top so that it's a quarter inch on top of the seed. So I'm going to add another quarter inch of soil on top of that seed. And then we're finished. We're finished planting. And then, the, of course, the only thing you have left to do is to water it. And if you have a seed tray then you can do what's called bottom watering, which means you fill the tray up with a half to an inch of water and you set the, your six packs you know, in that water and you allow them to absorb the water from the bottom up. And after you let them do that for an hour or so, you can pour out any extra water if there's a bunch left in there. Alternatively, you can water very gently with a fine rose spray on your watering can mm -hmm. or I like again to use a misting bottle and I just like to mist 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 you know really really heavily mist and make sure that the seed is is wet that way you know that sounds so much easier especially being in-house right. and being able to control your environment having that mister even though you try to be real gentle with that little rose it, it comes out it comes out and especially if you like one of the places I like to start seeds is in my daughter's bedroom because you know, she doesn't live here anymore. She's a grown-up now. But the dresser in her room is right adjacent to a bright window. So it's ideal for starting seeds. But I don't want to ruin the dresser. So 
you're right. If you're trying to water with a watering can, the odds of getting water on the furniture are much higher. So with the misting, I usually put a plastic tablecloth, you know, across the whole dresser anyway so that it doesn't get ruined. And then the mister, instead of a watering can, eliminates a lot of that extra water. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, all you have to do is wait for them to germinate. But let's talk about what we need to do because here's the critical stage. You've done everything right. You bought seeds that were not expired. You used fresh soil. You cleaned your containers. You moistened the soil. You planted the seeds at the right depth. You should be good to go, right? Unless you leave on go on vacation and ignore them. So only start seeds, my recommendation is, if you're going to be home during that germination period, and that's where your seed packet comes in handy again, because for this kale, for instance, it tells me the days until it emerges, and it's five to ten days. There you go. So if I was going to plant these now, I would do it when I was going to be home for the next ten days. You know what, Tina? Also, people think, oh, how labor-intensive is this? And it really isn't. You just need to pay a little bit of attention to them when the soil gets dry and do your spritzer, and it's not a lifetime commitment, and the world's not going to explode if it doesn't work out. But just a little bit of attention a day, and there you go. Yeah, and and the steps that I've been describing you know, have been very detailed, but were I to go do this right now, I would have the seeds planted in 15 minutes, if I, especially if I was using a brand new um, you know, seed uh, containers, because the time-consuming part is if you want to wash your old containers, right? That, that's what takes longer. You know, Tina, I have another question for you. Uh, people are, might be listening that are in the car and traveling, mm-hmm. and they might not be able to hear the, all the show or parts of the show. Could you tell us if we had questions where we would go to find out some questions or have some questions answered. You're going to continue with this and tell us the rest of it, but just in case somebody can't stay for the whole show. Good. I'm glad you reminded me because often we get through these shows and we forget to, to tell people this. But University of California Master Gardeners have a hotline, and if you have questions about any gardening issue um, and about seed starting, if you didn't get to write down what you wanted to today, you can contact us at hotline, H-O-T-L-I-N-E, at, the little at sign, U-C-C-E-M-G dot com. Again, that's hotline at U-C-C-E-M-G dot com, and you can send emails there about any gardening question. And then one more thing I'll let our listeners know is University of California Master Gardeners also have a website, which is www.uccemg.com. And I really encourage you to go visit that website because you'll find videos, you'll find topics of interest, and you'll also find out where Master Gardeners are speaking and appearing in the upcoming weeks in case you want to go attend any of their lectures. So I hope, hope our listeners visit that website. And if you happen to be driving and you can't remember all that, just remember Google Master Gardeners of Orange County, California. University of California. University of California. Yeah. So um, let's get back just to a short little discussion about how we're going to ensure our success in starting these seeds. 
And you, you've done everything right so far. So in order to make sure that we have success over this next five to 10 day period, which is how long it's going to take for our little seedlings to germinate, we are going to check them every day and make sure that the surface of the soil is still moist. Don't have to water it every day. Odds are, especially if you have that little plastic dome on the top, that they're going to stay moist. But should you not have a dome uh, or you've got your heater on in the home and it's you know just kind of dry, the air is kind of dry, uh, you do want to check them and then respray that soil if it starts to feel dry to the touch. The other thing that you can do in order to hasten germination is invest in what's called a seedling heat mat, which is a real tongue twister, <laughs> so I'll say it again. It's a seedling heat mat, and it is the same size as these kits, seed starting kits, which means it's about, um, what did I say, eight to 10 inches wide by you know, 20 to 22 inches long. And it's just a real thin plastic mat that has some little coils that go through it and a plug that you can plug into the wall. And it heats up very gently, only to between 70 and 85 degrees. So it's not like hot. You could never burn yourself on it because obviously we don't want to overheat our cook, seeds. Cook your seeds. Yeah, right. That wouldn't be good. Um, but what that does is it allows and encourages your seeds to have that bottom warmth because often the ambient air temperature isn't uh, as warm on the surface of, like say you had them sitting on a sink, you know, a tile sink or a granite countertop or something like that, it would still be kind of cold on the bottom of those seeds. So I invested in this, I don't think it was very expensive, maybe $19 or something. And you can find them not in a, in a good nursery. You can probably find them generally not at the big box uh, hardware stores. But you, of course, you can also get them online if you Google seedling heat mat. And you plug it in and it just gently heats that seed tray from the bottom. And I have 100% success, I have to say, with germination whenever I use this because it just gives a nice even temperature and unlike we turn our heater off um, or down at night, so the house gets you know cooler at night and warmer during the day. And with the seed mat, you have that nice even temperature all the time. And they germinate usually at the short end of that five to 10 days. If it says, oh, it'll take five to 10 days for them to germinate. If you use this mat, it'll take five days, odds are. Wow. Yeah. Um, so... What to do once they germinate? Well, once they germinate, that means you were great at making sure that they had a nice warm environment. Uh, in addition to a heat mat, the other place you can put them is on top of a refrigerator. It's nice and warm up there. Or if you have a big laundry room with counter space, you can put them in the laundry room because guess what? When your dryer's running, you're getting that nice warm temperature. And um, so that's another good place to start seeds. But once they have germinated, you're gonna to need to make sure that they are getting adequate light. And if they're on top of the refrigerator, odds are they're not gonna be getting good light. 
So as soon as you see that those seeds have germinated, you're going to have to move them if they aren't already next to a bright window you'll need to move them to a place where they're going to get some good light but they don't want to be baking in the hot sun so don't put them next to a window like a south facing window where they are going to be getting blasted by sunlight uh, when i put them next to a south facing window i always make sure that window has uh, blinds on it so that I can tilt the blind so that they're getting good light but they're not being roasted by the sun. Um, the, then what you want to do is as those little seedlings grow you're going to want to turn the seed tray every couple of days if not every day because the little seedlings are going to lean towards where the sun's coming from. And so in order to not have crooked plants, you're going to want to turn that seed tray every couple of days or every day so that they, you know, end up being straight and tall. Now, I have a question for you, Tina. Mm -hmm. What happens, some of us don't have windows that are bright and sunny that we could put it by, but we do have a window. Will that still work? It depends on the degree of light. So you're going to have to evaluate, you know, whether you think that is a bright window or it's just a very kind of dim window. They really do need bright light. But I have a solution for you if you don't have a window in a place where you can put, you know, seedling trays. And that is you can uh, actually buy either lights that are specific for starting seeds or you can make one yourself, uh, a grow light, and that it's just a fluorescent light. So if you go to you know, Home Depot or, or some other hardware store, you can get a little fluorescent light fixture for relatively inexpensive, that's maybe 24 inches long. Mm -hmm. And what you can do is get some PVC pipe and mm -hmm. just make a little U-shaped stand, and then you can get a little bit of chain and you can hook chain to that light fixture and wrap it around the PVC pipe frame that you've made. And then you can adjust that chain so that your lights are about um, two to four inches above the top of your plant. Two to four inches? Yeah, pretty close. And the reason you want to have them on chains is you want to, uh, your plant's going to grow, grow right? right? So you obviously don't want that poor plant to be hitting the light bulb. That would not be a good thing. So as the plant grows, you're going to need to you know, pull the light fixture away from the plant and let it, you know, continue to grow. And the plants actually need um, a pretty good amount of light. So if you're using those fluorescent lights and you really want to give those plants um, to be growing quickly and not have them getting all leggy, you know, because they're constantly reaching for the light. Could you tell people what leggy means? Yeah, leggy means... Plants are getting a stem that's too long to support their leaves. So when you buy, you know, we, when we look... Some people call it straggly. Straggly, leggy. When, you know, when you go to the nursery, you always look for that tomato plant that's just has a little sturdy, fat little stem, right? You don't want that tomato plant that is real spindly and too tall. And, looks like it blow over. Yeah, looks like, you know, a, break. A, a, an adolescent girl who, you know, looks like she'll blow away in the wind. So we want to have these plants grow uh, vigorously and not be stretching and trying to reach the light. 
So if you are using those fluorescent lights, amazingly enough, you can keep them on for 16 to 18 hours a day. Really? Yeah. And the plants will love having that much light. I mean, think about it. If they're getting that much light, they kind of think it's summer, right? Summer in Alaska. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, that is another option for you if you don't have a window that has good light is to get one of those fluorescent fixtures. Now, I'm fortunate enough that I have a little greenhouse. So what I do is I germinate my my seedlings in my house and then I can put them out in my greenhouse and of course it's glass so it gets lots of good light but a lot of people don't have that option there are though some cool little like mini greenhouses that you can find looking at like gardener supply company catalog they're just little collapsible things you can put on your patio made out of plastic And so if people are really getting serious about starting seeds, they might want to take a look at getting one of those. Once your seedlings are up to a a couple inches in size, let's say three inches or so in size, and you think you're getting close to the time when you're going to want to plant them outside, you can't just take them from in the house and plop them in the ground because they're going to revolt. They're going to say, you're so mean. What are you doing to me? I was in this cozy house, and now you put me out into the mean world. And, and what does revolting look like in plant world? <laughs> Death. Um, you know, they, they, might, they might struggle on and, and not uh, grow too vigorously while they're in shock. Um, and then the worst case, of course, is that they would just die. Uh, so to avoid that problem, it's just like when we had teenagers, we let them go a little bit at a time, right, before we kick them out of the house. So we do that the same way with our seedlings. So what you do before you plant them in the garden is you do something called hardening them off. And I like to use that term for teenagers too, which, you know, is kind of funny. Yeah, we got to get them hardened off before we put them out in the big cruel world. Well, there's a lot of similarities there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so what that means is you need to put them outside, uh, first of all, during the day, and then bring them back in at night for one or two days. And the reason I do that is sometimes in March, our nighttime temperatures are still kind of cool. And so let's let them first get used to the daytime temperature, but not shock them with a cold nighttime temperature. And then maybe on the third day, We'll leave them outside all night long. And when I say outside, I don't mean just put them out in the big bright sun. Find a sheltered place. A patio, covered patio is kind of ideal so that they're getting filtered sunlight, not super harsh, you know. It's kind of like people who've been inside all all winter long. Their skin is pale and you don't want to put them out in the sun all day long because they'll get burnt. Absolutely. And, and just a little bit at a time as they gradually get a little bit of color. Exactly. It's the exact same thing. Your plants can get sunburned. So you don't want to expose them to too much sun right away. And then after they've been on this gradual experience outdoors, once they've had you know um, three to five days of hardening off, then they are ready to go in the ground. Wow. And then what do we do then? Well, then you want to plant them just as you would a seedling that you had purchased from the nursery or or a hardware store. And you want to, of course, prepare the soil. And so you want to dig the soil, put some organic compost or soil amendments in there, 
add an organic fertilizer if you're you know growing veggies and mix that all in so that you have nice loose fluffy soil and then you'll pop your little plants out of the cells where they've been growing in their little six packs and you'll tickle the roots just like we do and and actually that let me mention that that's one way to tell if your plants are mature enough to put outside if you pick up your six pack or or whatever container you're growing them in and you see the little white roots starting to poke out of the holes that are in the bottom of that container then you'll know that they're mature enough and that they've developed enough of a root structure to survive out in the garden. Now that also depends on the size of the container you have it on. You're talking about one of those smaller little six packs. Right, exactly. So, uh, and you know, you can always pop a whole plant out and kind of look at it and say, oh yeah, that, that looks like a nice root structure. It, I can see roots, so it should, you know, if you don't really see much of a root system going on, then you'll probably want to let them mature a little bit longer in the in the uh, container before you put them in the ground. And you don't have to be perfect with that either, but you kind of just want to see that there's some roots there. So when you transplant it, it has it's in a happy place and it, the roots could go out and reach out and make a new home and be happy. Absolutely. And versus not being mature enough where they just can't. Right. If, if they don't have a root structure that is able to fetch water and fetch nutrients for that plant to grow, then they're going to struggle and perhaps die. So it's better to let them stay in that controlled environment of the container until they have a sufficient root structure. Because as long as they're in the container, they're relying on you to give them you know, adequate water. Uh, also, let's talk just for a second about... Um, nutrients for these plants while they're growing in the containers. When they're a seed, remember I mentioned that the nutrients needed to get the seed to germinate and send out its first set of roots, those nutrients are in the little shell environment of the seed. But once that plant does start to grow, it is going to need some nutrients. And it's fine for the first couple of weeks, you don't really need to add anything. But particularly if they're seeds that have a long time that you're going to want to grow them, like peppers, for instance, you know, it, it seems to take peppers a good eight weeks before they're of a size that they're ready to go in the garden. And so I like to give them a little bit of food while they're growing. And so what I like to use is a liquid organic food, plant food, um, I, I personally use fish emulsion because it's, you know, relatively cheap and a little stinky, but, but easy. It's gentle, too. It's gentle. It's it doesn't burn your, your plants. And you'll see on the directions of, say, fish emulsion or any organic liquid fertilizer, they will tell you, oh, it's two tablespoons to a gallon of water, for instance. Well, if you're going to fertilize these baby seedlings, you want to cut that down to only one quarter strength. So if you were going to do two tablespoons in a gallon of water for a plant in the garden, for a seedling, you would want to dilute it and you would only want to do half a tablespoon to a gallon of water. And again, you can either put that again in your spray bottle and you know mist it with that, or if you have a tray, you can pour the solution into the tray and let them soak it up from the bottom. Or you can put it in a watering can with a nice rose 
and water them. By the time I'm feeding them, my seedlings are usually in my greenhouse, so I usually just water them with a watering can because I don't care if I get a little extra water. Now again, how long from the time that you plant them or to the time they actually come up do you start I don't start them? doing that um, until they are at least two to three weeks old. And then, and then I give them a very diluted feeding. Now, are you talking about two to three weeks from the time you plant them? From the time they germinate. Good question. So from the time you ha see them actually have their little heads out, mm -hmm. then I wait a couple of weeks, two to three weeks after, before I start feeding them a very gentle solution. And then how often do you feed them after that? You know, I only do it maybe once or twice while they're growing because generally you only feed things once or twice a month mm -hmm. and so if these plants are going to be planted out in the garden in by the time they're six weeks old say mm -hmm. you know then then I feed them maybe at three weeks and then by six weeks they're kind of ready to go out in the garden maybe I would feed them one more time at at four weeks or so and you can kind of tell just by looking at the vigor of their growth you know if they seem to be slowing down a bit you can Give them another little feeding to give them a little boost. So, oh my goodness, Tina, this has just been so wonderful. You, you could start us all off so early in the year in our gardens and making it simple for us. And it just what a great time I've spent with you in the last hour. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. And and the main thing I'd like to leave the listeners with is don't be afraid. You know, this was a lot of information, but honestly, just give it a try. And, and the first time you see seeds germinate, you'll be so excited and you'll say, gee, that wasn't hard. And if you get stuck or have questions, you can call our hotline or email our hotline and we'll be glad to answer your questions. You can look at our website and we'll be glad to answer your questions. And I thank everybody for being here, especially I thank you, Tina, for your wealth of knowledge. I really, we really, really appreciate it. Thanks. My pleasure. Until next time. If you have any questions about today's show, or if you have any general gardening questions that you'd like a personalized answer for, please feel free to visit our hotline and send us an email at hotline at uccemg.com. You can also visit the Master Gardener website at www.uccemg.com for lots of good information on gardening and also a schedule of events where we'll be speaking.